0: Today's episode of the Essential Tennis Podcast is brought to you by TennisExpress.com. Well, before we get to today's topic, which is going to be a great one, we're going to talk about tennis strategy and tactics, both in general and as they relate to the singles and doubles game. I've been talking about iTunes and how it's the best way for you guys to get the podcast and it really is, by the way. It's a free download for either Mac or PC. I'm going to give away... I've got some strain laying around the office here that I'd like to give away to anybody who leaves a review of the Essential Tennis Podcast on iTunes this week. I've got here 15 packs of Wilson Super Spin 16-gauge tennis strain that I will send completely free to anybody who leaves a review on the iTunes Music Store for the Essential Tennis Podcast. To to get your strain, all you have to do is leave the review, copy it, and then paste it into an email. So send me the, re- the review that you left on the iTunes Music Store. Send me your name and your address in that email, and I will send you a free set of strain. That's it. So uh, send those emails to ian at com, and I look forward to seeing your guys' reviews up there and sending out some string that you guys can use. All right, let's get down to business. Sit back, relax, and get ready for some great tennis instruction. All right, let's go ahead and get started with today's topic. And today's episode of the podcast is going to be completely about strategy and tactics as it relates to both singles and doubles and combined general tactical and, and strategical elements that you guys need to be good at in order to be as successful as possible out on the tennis court. And I know that a lot of you spend a lot of time with technique and trying to improve your strokes, and that's great. And you guys should be spending time doing that. But make sure that you balance that out as well with learning about tactics and practicing your tactics. Make sure that you guys are getting in enough competitive play on the court that you learn how to use the strokes and the techniques that you have taught yourself or that you've learned from the podcast or videos online or your local tennis pro or whatever. You guys should make sure that you're balancing out your time on the court between the practicing of your, te- of your um, technique, the practicing of your strokes, and also the practicing of implementing those strokes into a strategy that you have developed against an opponent. It's really important. And I want to give a shout out to the person who was the impetus for today's show topic. And that was John M., who's in Texas, John wrote me today's question and suggested the topic and also included his own outline for both singles and doubles tactics. And John, your outline was great. You're just right on cue there with your thoughts and your suggestions. And I wrote my own outline because well, I'd didn't want to just steal all your stuff, basically. Uh So I've got my own outline, basically, talking about all the same uh, basic topics and fundamental things that we should be focused on as far as strategy is concerned. And I'm going to go ahead and get into that now. But I, I definitely borrowed quite a bit from your outline. You, you were right on cue with, with most of your thoughts. So... Cheers on that um, you, you're right on right on track there, and strategy and, and mental toughness is definitely a big strength of John's in Texas so let's go ahead and get to my outline, and i'm going to break this up into three different main areas today I'm going to first talk about general strategy musts, things that you guys need to do, and I've got one, two, three, four different strategical things that Whether you're a singles player or a doubles player, these are things that you guys should be doing. You should be paying attention to on the court as far as strategy is concerned. Otherwise, you are absolutely leaving points and matches on the table. On the table, excuse me. Secondly, we're going to talk about singles. Strategy specifics. I'm going to give you guys three different things that are probably most important as far as understanding what to do during a singles match. and We're also going to talk about doubles strategy specifics. I've got one, two, three, four, five. Doubles, there's more parts to doubles tactics. It's definitely more complicated and if for no other reason because there's twice as many people on the court. And so there's just a lot more stuff going on and there's more that you have to pay attention to in doubles. Not that singles can't be, can't be complicated sometimes, but doubles, there's a lot more to it, for sure, as far as tactics is concerned. All right, so that's today's outline. Let's go ahead and get started with the first section, and that is general strategy musts. And number one under that heading is you must know your game. You have to know heading into every match what you are good at and also what your weaknesses are and you should know this before the match starts and i know that sounds obvious and it sounds like well yeah of course i know what i'm good at and i know what i'm bad at be, but please be conscious of it and this is something that you should be taking mental inventory of heading into a match because you need to know walking onto the court before you even swing your racket for the first time you need to know today what what do i have is my forehand my biggest weapon Is my backhand my biggest weakness? Am I able to hit a hard, flat serve? But my second serve has been a little bit shaky recently. These are all things that you have to have a really good understanding of walking onto the court, and we're going to talk about why a little bit later. So that's number one. Whether you're a doubles player or a singles player, you must know your game walking onto the court. Number two, you must observe your opponents or opponents very carefully during your match warm-up, and the reason for that is you need to know the other side of the coin. You want to learn their strengths and their weaknesses as quickly as possible. It's information that's absolutely crucial to your success every time that you play a tennis match. And as the match uh, starts, moving you know through the warm-up, continue to pay close attention, especially during those first several games. And you guys know what i 'm talking about if you have very much experience at all you 'll know that not everybody hits the ball the same way during warm up as they do during the match, and so you have to be careful for that. in fact, some players will <laughs> purposefully um, i've i 've absolutely done this some players will will purposefully kind of hide some of their strengths or some of their weaknesses uh, An example of me. Uh, doing that is uh, I'm left-handed, in case case, um, you guys are new to the show. Um, I'm a lefty, and a big strength of mine is my spin serve. Uh, Specifically, I, I have a kind of a combination top spin and slice serve that I hit very aggressively that I use for my second serve and very often my first serve as well, especially in doubles. And very often in college, I would warm up my serve hitting all flat serves. I would not hit any spin serves. And so I would hit, you know, probably 10, 15 flat serves uh, to each player or, you know, 10 or 15 on each side to one player as we did our our doubles warm-up. And then I would come out of the gate hitting heavy spin uh, on both serves after hitting all flat in the warm-up. And yeah, that's something that I'm not embarrassed to say that I did quite a bit in college. And so don't be surprised if people do that to you I think it's a good tactical play. And so pay very close attention during the warm-up, but don't take it for for granted or don't assume that what you see in the warm-up is what what you're going to see all day on the court during the match. So you have to be really alert and really aware of what's going on on the other side of the court. That's... Thing number two, under a general strategy. So number one was know your game. Number two, observe your opponents closely because you need to know their, their game as well. And now number three, using those two pieces of information, you will build your strategy. And you can't build an effective strategy without knowing those two things first. And I know that a lot of you out there walk onto the court already knowing how you're going to play. And it's completely... Um, regardless of what your opponent's strengths and weaknesses are. And that's definitely a mistake. And this isn't complicated. You should be thinking in simple terms. It it doesn't have to be complex or tricky. In fact, it shouldn't be. We're going to talk more about that a little bit later. And I'm going to give some specific examples of tactics or, or a strategy based on your strength and your opponent's weaknesses. I'm going to talk more about that later. But the reason for knowing yourself and for observing your opponent's is so that you can effectively build a strategy. That's the whole point. Now, moving forwards with the match, you, you, you know yourself, you've observed your opponents, you've built a strategy around that within the first couple of games of the match. Now, continuing with the match, I have two general rules. And again, this, everything I'm talking about right now applies to both singles and doubles. General rule number one Never change a working strategy. And this is something else that you guys have probably heard a lot, and it probably sounds like old hat. Please take this seriously. (laughs) Because way too often, I see recreational players, uh, they will put together a point, a successful point, and it involved two or three or four specific shots put in sequence That worked, that they put together a winning pattern. And the very next point, they do something completely different, maybe even totally opposite of the point previous, where they just dominated their opponents, putting together a specific uh, pattern of shots or a specific play. And they crushed their opponents the point before. And on the next point, they'll do completely the opposite thing. And when you find a winning matchup between you and your opponents or opponents, it's important that you guys know that hammering it over and over again is the way to go. And I think that recreational players very often feel that a good tacticianer is somebody who is sneaky and kind of complicated and kind of cloak and dagger, you know, kind of fancy kind of tactics and always changing it up and Your opponent never knows what's coming next, and that's good strategy or good tactics. And that's absolutely too complicated, and it's totally not necessary. Usually, a good tactic between you and your opponent to, to try to beat your opponent will be very simple. And don't get bored by that, please. I get excited when I find a weakness. That pairs up well with my strength. Again, I'm a left-handed player. And so um, uh, my strength from the baseline by far is my forehand. And I love hitting my forehand cross-court because it usually goes to my opponent's backhand, which is usually their weaker shot. Now, I just said usually twice. So it's not always the case. But a high percentage of the time I'm playing a right-handed player and their weaker side is their backhand. And so I make absolutely... Uh, no, no secret of the fact early on in the match that most of the time I get a forehand, I'm going to be hammering my opponent's backhand and I'm going to do it over and over and over again until they can show me that they can either handle it and hit right back at me with something that challenges me or if they don't, I'm just going to do it all day until I win the match, period. And you guys should be thinking in simplistic terms when it comes to putting together a match Strategy. So that, that's uh, under general strategy rules. Number one, uh, as far as continuing the match goes, never change a working strategy or or a working combination of shots. Rule number two: when a strategy doesn't work, change it. And uh, again, really simple, but th- uh, something that I see players screw up a lot, and they'll stick. They'll kind of go down with the ship of whatever their comfortable strategy is without ever changing it up. And um, uh, the hardest part about this is figuring out when to change something and, and when to say, all right, this is obviously not working. We do need to change this up. It's, it's not going to be a good day unless we do something different here. Sometimes it'll be super obvious. And maybe you're playing a doubles match, and you're serving and volleying to begin the match with, and you're just getting beat, and your opponent is just hammering the return, both opponents just hammering the returns of serve, low at your feet over and over again, and you're just not making the half volley or the low volley. Sometimes it's going to be obvious, and you'll know, okay, well, I need to be a little bit more cautious here. I can't keep running into these returns because it's not working and you'll need to change it up. Sometimes it won't be obvious and it'll be kind of 50-50 to begin with, you know. You win half the points using a specific tactic and the other half uh you you get burned. And uh in cases like that, you have to kind of look at the big picture and look at the the long term. It's possible that over time the you'll kind of continue to tilt things in your favor and you can kind of wear your opponent down. But you must be very aware in order to make that judgment, you have to be very aware of things like your opponent's technique and their emotions and their, their mental toughness. If, if you're trying to, let's say you're playing a singles match and you're trying to hammer your opponent's backhand and, it's, and maybe they hit the ball really hard on that side, um, but it, their technique is not fundamentally very sound. And so it's a really low percentage shot. Once in a while they make it and other times they, they miss it badly. Sometimes you kind of have to weather the storm a little bit and be patient and know that in the long run, it's probably going to work out in your favor. But in the meantime, don't be discouraged by them hitting a winner here and there. Now, that would be a good example of a, of a tactic not working every time, but knowing that in the long run, it's probably going to work out in your favor. Sometimes you just have to be patient and stick with it. But if they get hot, you know, they make like five or six in a row for a winner, Well, now it's probably time to change things up. My point is you have to really be aware of what's going on and you you have to be paying attention. Otherwise, before you know it, the match could be over and you'll be looking back at the match saying, wow, why did I continue to hit to that spot over and over again when obviously they they beat me that way? Um, And so on one hand, never change a working strategy. On the other hand, you have to know when to fold and move on to something new to try to gain the upper hand. So, in review, those were the five general strategy musts. Number one, you must know your game. Number two, you must know your opponent's game through observing them. Number three, um, using those two pieces of information, you, you will build your strategy. That's the point. And number four, continuing with the match, never change a winning strategy and Uh, I'm sorry, (laughs) when a strategy doesn't work, please do change it. Don't go down with the ship and pay close enough attention that you can tell the difference between something that's just working part of the time and something that's obviously not going to work out for you in the long run. Before we get to the next part of my outline, I want to remind you all about the official sponsor of the Essential Tennis Podcast, and that is tennisexpress.com. You guys need Strains, you need rackets, you need shoes. So why not go to Tennis Express? They have really good prices. They have free shipping for orders over seventy five dollars. And if you use the promotional code Essential when you check out, it will give credit to the Essential tennis podcast. It will It will show Tennis Express that you're a listener and you appreciate their support of the show by being a sponsor. So please do that, and I appreciate their sponsorship of the podcast very much. All right, next up, let's get to some specifics having to do with singles and doubles. And as with all other parts of my teaching, both online and in person, we're going to keep things simple here. There's only really a couple basic tactical things that you guys really have to have nailed down in order to be successful, at least at an entry level now doubles is a little bit different there's a lot going on in doubles which is why I created an, an entire product around it doubles domination which I'm reworking by the way I'm, I'm getting the 2.0 version of doubles domination ready and so let's go ahead and, and start things off and we'll begin with singles here first and these are specific singles strategy things that you guys need to understand and you need to use if you want to be successful and I've just got three basic ones. Uh, number one, from behind the baseline, you should be hitting the ball cross-court most of the time, period. If you're not doing this, you need to start. And simply, simply because it's a higher percentage shot, The court is longer when you aim cross court by quite a bit. I think it's like five or six feet when you go from corner to corner cross court as opposed to down the line. The net is lower when you hit across the center of it. It's six inches lower in the center than it is at the net post. And you're going to make more shots when hitting in that direction. And the reason why we want to take the high percentage play is because most points are going to end with a mistake. Period. I don't care how good you are. If you're listening to this show, you make more errors than you force errors from your opponent or than the winners that you hit. You definitely hit more errors than you do winners. And so everybody can benefit from being a little bit higher percentage than they are right now. The exception uh, to that would be, and I know I just said everybody, but there is one exception. If you are a strictly defensive player and you hit everything slow and everything to the middle of the court... Of course, you could benefit from learning how to attack and learning how to create some offensive opportunities and, and develop some weapons. That would be a great thing for you to do. But for most of us, we need to work on being a little bit more steady and a little bit more consistent. Now, it, it's not to say that hitting down the line is is never the right thing to do. Um, usually, it's kind of a sucker play. You know, You see a little bit more space between your opponent and the side side sideline down the line. You've got a little bit of an opening there to hit to. Uh, Be patient. Wait until you really have an obvious hole to hit to down the line. Otherwise, you should be hitting cross-court. When you do hit down the line, make sure that it's only in situations where you're in balance, you've got control, you're not reaching for the ball, or, or you've had a hard time getting to it. And make sure that it's worth the risk. And the the two main situations that you'll be in when it is worth the risk is number one, uh, which I already mentioned, if your opponent is way out of position, the opposite direction. If they're out of position because the previous shot, you hit a really good cross-court ground stroke and you're in balance, then down the line... Would be reasonable at that point. Go go ahead and go for it as long as you're not aiming for the line, either either the baseline or the sideline. Still give yourself margin for error. But at that point, go ahead and go down the line. That that's a reasonable time to do it. Another time would be if you're in balance and it's your opponent's weaker side down the line and they have a big weakness there. I break the directionals quite often with my backhand, even though it's my low, it's my weaker shots. I will very often take a steady shot like my backhand slice. I I hit a lot of slice shots in my singles play. I'm I'm not very good at hitting topspin relatively speaking, you know, not relative to the people that I that I'm playing against when I'm competing. And so I'll very often use a down the line backhand slice to try to get myself into a pattern where I can, on the next shot, hit a forehand and hopefully be hitting that cross courts again to my opponent's backhand. Uh, again, remember, I'm left-handed, so my backhand side is on the deuce half of the courts, and if I hit that down the line to my opponent's ad side, usually that's to their weaker shot, their backhand. Now, I don't do that unless I've got a reasonably easy shot or at least a neutral shot. I'm not taking... You know on the run defensive you know stretched out slice shots and trying to thread it down the line and like hit the line um, that i'm not doing, but when I'm in reasonable balance and I have an opportunity there to to direct the ball to my opponent's weaker side, I will absolutely do that, so that's number one under specific singles tactics, hit the ball cross court most of the time, please, and when you do go down the line, make sure that it's warranted. Make sure it's at the right time. Make sure you're in balance is the main thing. All right, number two under singles. When approaching, when you do come up to the net, you should be hitting the ball down the line most of the time. And the reason for that simply is that you will keep the ball in front of you, and it's much easier to cover passing shot attempts from your opponent. That's not always the case if your opponent um, when hitting down the line, goes to your opponent's strength and they love hitting passing shots off that shot, then maybe you want to start changing things up and breaking that general rule and go cross courts and if if this is a something that you haven't heard before, I urge you to go to the video section of essentialtennis.com and I have a video up there diagramming and, and showing with a, a point. Uh, scenario, you, having a point uh, example why down the line is a better choice and why cross court for an approach shot in general is a poor choice. It has to do with your positioning on the courts and being able to cover passing shots. All right, so that's number two. When approaching, make sure that you go down the line. And number three, play your strength to their weakness as much as possible, period. So if you're righty and you're playing another righty, then you want to hit inside out forehands. That means Moving to and assuming that your strength is your forehand and your opponent's strength is their forehand, whenever possible, you want to shift, slide to your left over to your backhand side to hit a forehand as much as you can. If that's your strength, you should be jockeying for position to try to hit that forehand as often as possible. Now, we don't want to do that to such an extent that you leave yourself vulnerable and open, and you're constantly way over to the left, leaving yourself wide open on your forehand side. Unless your opponent just doesn't have any weapons, you know, if, if they're not able to hit a winner when you leave the court open because they just don't have strong enough ground strokes, then go ahead and leave it open and shift way to your left and hit, just hit all forehands all day. And when you get that shot, hit it inside out. Go back across the court, hit a cross-court shot to their backhand. And there you go. You've got a great uh, pattern now. You're hitting your strength, your forehand, cross-court, which is a high-percentage shot, to your opponent's weakness, their backhand. Now we're following all three of those rules and you're looking like you're in great shape. And you should be trying to come up with patterns like that as often as possible. And once you find a pattern like that, don't deviate. Stick with it and keep hammering it until either your opponent makes a big adjustment and you got to switch things up or until you've won the match. (laughs) Keep hammering it until one of those two things happen, period. All right, so that's singles strategy specifics. Cross court from behind the baseline most of the time when you're approaching down the line most of the time and number 3 do whatever you can to match up your strengths versus your opponent's weaknesses. Now, these are uh, one more time I want to point out these are all generalities, okay? And there's going to be situational things that might happen whether you know, it be your strengths, your opponent's strengths, or, or whatever. When you match up versus different opponents, there's going to be different specific things going on. And so, sometimes you have to break these general rules in order to give yourself an advantage. And if that's the case, go ahead and do it. Just make sure that it is the case that uh, you've got to break that rule in order to get the ad- the advantage, the upper hand. Otherwise, you'll find yourself making more unforced errors than necessary. Okay, lastly, uh, last part of today's show, doubles strategy specifics. and I've got One, two, three, four, five, six, no, five, Uh, five of those. So we'll try to get through these quickly here. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, doubles is just more complicated. There's more moving parts, literally. And so there's a lot going on. And I've just got a couple of specific scenarios here. Number one, if they serve and volley, if your opponents serve and volley, your focus must really be on a quality return of serve, cross-courts and low most of the time. Please don't try a down-the-line return-of-serve unless the net person is just really, really active. It's a sucker play. Just like going down the line a lot in singles is a sucker play, the -the down-the-alley return-of-serve is a sucker play as well in doubles. Now, again, the exception to that is if you're playing against a really, really aggressive and really active net person, you need to show them that you are willing to do it and that you are capable of going for the shot. And so there there are situations where it's better to go down the line at least once or twice just to try to keep that net player honest. But for most of you guys, you're not going to play super aggressive net players. And so it might seem boring, but cross court and as much as possible. And if you can keep it low against the serve and volleyer, that would obviously be best. So that's situation number one. Number two. If they serve and stay back, that's a huge opportunity for you and your partner. You should be returning cross-court safely. It doesn't even have to be low now unless you, you, you aren't good at getting it cross courts and you're risking hitting it to the uh, server's partner. Um, assuming that's not the case, go ahead and play it two, three feet over the top of the net. Keep it to the server's half of the court and get into the net. And if you guys aren't comfortable with that now, work on it. Work on your approaching game. Work on your transition game from the baseline to the net. Because when you play a team that serves and stays back, they are giving you a huge chance to take over the net and to pressure them to be offensive and to take care of business. And if you watch them serve and stay back and you return and stay back and you play full points and full sets and full matches... In a one-up, one-back position, you are limiting yourself tactically in the game of doubles, and you need to break through that and start getting more comfortable getting up to the net. Yes, I'm talking to you. <laughs> I know there's a lot of you guys out there uh, that are sitting and listening to this a little uncomfortable because you know I'm talking to you, Mr. Person who serves and stays back and sits there on the baseline returns and stays back. It's not always the winning strategy, but you guys need to work on it. If you never use it because you don't like half volleys, you don't like the ball at your feet, you're not good at volleying from behind the service line, start working on those things. Please. I, I don't want you to be stuck your entire tennis career playing one-up, one-back doubles. It's, it's just not as fun, all right? And it, it, Tactically, it's, you're just not taking advantage of the opportunities that you have out there. All right, that's I could really go off there <laughs> on a tangent in case you guys can't tell. Uh, all right, moving on. Number three, if they love to lob, this has got to be one of the mo- top three for sure complaints that I hear from doubles players. They lobbed every point and they all hit the back of the baseline. It was terrible. Don't be a sucker against lobbing teams, especially if you're serving and volleying and returning and, returning and volleying and you and your, and your partner are both getting up to the nets. Coming up to the net and playing, quote, at the net doesn't mean that you should be, that you need to be standing three feet away from the net. When you're playing against a team that you know likes to lob, be smart about where you position yourself. You should be positioning yourself to anticipate the lobs that your opponents continue to hit. And so that might mean on the service line is your at the net position. And from there, when your opponents drive, you can move forwards and volley. When they lob, you can move back and hit an overhead out of the air. You should position yourself wherever you have to so that you can take the majority of shots out of the air. If that's two feet behind the, the service line or three feet, so be it. But don't let it bounce because once you let that lob bounce, you're giving your opponents lots of time and you're giving them the ability to now attack and move in and take over the points. So position yourself wisely if they do lob a lot, know it's coming and don't keep closing all the way into the net over and over and watching the ball go over your head. Be smart about it and put yourself where you can take those out of the air. Uh, Two more, Um, if your opponents love to poach and be active at the net, you know you must hit your ground strokes solidly all day or use the lob yourself. When you've got a person who's really disruptive up there, you have to either play an offensive, aggressive ground stroke, pass them hopefully down the alley a couple of times to show them that you're not afraid of doing it, or if you've got a good lob, go ahead and use it. And when that happens, get to the net as quickly as possible and try to beat them to the punch if if you can. If you can serve and volley and get up there and not give that net player the opportunity to poach so much, that would be great. And lastly, use specific plays as often as possible in doubles. Find which uh, specific uh, tactics and which specific plays, which specific patterns of shots work, and then hammer them over and over and over again. Specific example of that might be a serve to one of your opponent's backhands and then a poach or a fake poach and be super active up there at the net and really pressure their weaker side. Um it, it, whatever you find that works stick with it don't overcomplicate it and just keep hammering it until you've won the match don't deviate unless it's absolutely necessary All right uh, well great topic today John thank you very much for the uh, suggestion and uh, in review real quickly area number 1 was general strategy know your game know your opponent's game put those things together And never change a a, a working strategy and change it up when you figure out that it's not working. And then singles strategy specifics from behind the baseline, most of your shots should be cross courts. When approaching, most of your shots should be down the line. Play your strengths to their weaknesses as much as possible. And doubles strategy specifics if they serve in volley, focus on your return. If they serve and stay back, take the opportunity to move in. If they lob a lot, don't be a sucker. Don't close all the way into the net over and over again. Uh, If they love to poach, hit solid ground strokes and or use the lob. And just like singles, use specific plays as often as possible once you figure out that they work. So that's a broad, general, solid overview and outline of tennis tactics. These are things that you guys can bank on. You, you know that these are solid tactics and these are the fundamentals, the essentials, the things that you guys should be working on, be conscious of. And if you want to be good at tennis, these are the types of things that are the difference between winning and losing matches. Even though they're kind of simple, common things, if you can get really good at everything I've talked about today, you will be more successful. All right. That does it for episode number 142 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Hopefully, you guys don't mind that I went a little bit over time today. It was a great topic and I enjoyed talking about it. Remember, I will send you a free pair of strains, a free set of strains, Wilson Super Spin 16 gauge, just for leaving a review on the iTunes Music Store of the Essential Tennis Podcast. While you're there, subscribe to it. It's the easiest way to get the show. And to get those, free strains make sure to send me an email to ian i a n at essential with your pasted review and your name and address so that i know where to send the strain all right that does it for this week thanks again everybody very much for listening to today's show take care and good luck with your tennis